G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We'll talk about what to expect for 2022. Of course, this time of year, a lot of church activity around Australia. It's not winding up at all. It's just reaching a crescendo for the calendar year with Christmas services coming this week. There's also extensive caregiving initiatives going on as churches look out for the needs of the vulnerable, those who are doing it tough after a year of COVID challenges. It's a time to look towards the next year, 2022. And today we're checking in with Mobile Mission Maintenance, who've been very active this year, attending to the infrastructure needs of local churches, often in remote and outback communities. They're serving those who serve. It's one of those wonderful mission organisations that adapts to the needs of churches, growing a base of gospel-oriented tradespeople and handymen who serve God by providing skilled labour to ministries around Australia and overseas, empowering them to focus on their mission. Terence Baxter is the CEO of Mobile Mission Maintenance in Australia. Terence Baxter, special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's great to be here. Great to see your face too. Yeah, face-to-face, that's face right, face. not just on the line or on uh, however we else we, we've communicated. Hey, 2021, uh, are you happy to see the end of 2021 or uh, how do you reflect on what has been a tough year because your home base is Melbourne and you've gone through the ringer in Melbourne so, so many ways with COVID. How do you reflect on this past year? Uh, personally, uh, I'm glad to see the end of it. I've been five times busier than what normally. While everyone else is in lockdown, there's a lot else that has to happen to keep organisations ticking along. But, you know, we reflect on it and say God has done some amazing things, and not just with us, but in the churches that we service, the churches that we partner with, and the organisations that we partner with. We've seen some incredible innovation and an incredible shift, not so much in their mission, but in their focus of how they deliver things and how they connect with people in different ways. Ordinarily, uh, with your teams, uh, they've got to be there face-to-face, hands-on, and uh, rolling up their sleeves, ready to work. And when you can't go because there's border closures or all sorts of issues with lockdowns, uh, that's been a tough time for your teams. It has. It has. Um, you know, a lot of people learnt to work from home over the last uh, over the last couple of years with, with COVID. Um we found out it's pretty hard to paint or renovate a church from home. It's funny. So our teams have still got to be there. And, and, and it's brought complications right across the country. Um, you know, I, I guess before all this started, my concept was that we were one country. I'm not sure that for the past two years everybody's thought the same. I'm looking forward as I look forward into, into 2022 and beyond that we become one country again, that we can cross borders without having to do the permits and, the, and the, everything else that goes with that. Because getting people to where, they, where they're needed the most and getting teams into the right place to help churches is, is paramount for what we do. It's restricted us a bit this year, even though we had an amazing year of delivery and, and, and outcomes and, and everything else that goes with what we do. Um, it's been a fantastic year, but we could have done more if we could have got borders 
opened and, and people across into into the regions that they were needed. Remind listeners where you have bases around Australia. Mobile Mission Maintenance, uh, you're, as I said, based in Victoria, in Melbourne. Uh, you've got bases, though, in, I think, is it every state? Give well, us, not give quite. Us enough, give it we, not quite. We work in every state uh, and we have representation in, in every state, but bases... Uh, we have one in uh, in the northern suburbs of Brisbane, Mango Hill. Beautiful, beautiful site there. Uh, John and Ann Cooper, the region managers there, and they look after what we call the northern Australia. Um, it's sort of most of Queensland, all of Queensland and a little bit of Northern Territory, although they don't get teams up there so much now from Queensland. Um, it's done in conjunction with our national office. We have a, a base in New South Wales in YE, uh, just uh, on the central coast there. Uh, our head office and Victorian base is currently in Mitcham in Victoria. Uh, we have a base in Perth in Tasmania. Just to confuse everybody, there is a Perth in Tasmania. Uh, and another base, full-time base, in uh, Southern River in Western Australia. Okay, so uh, even though uh, you've still got some border closures uh, with Western Australia, you've still got teams who are able to respond to some of the local needs in Western Australia simply because you're in the West. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. It's a bit harder because we, a, a lot of the work that we do in Western Australia, we send teams across from the East uh, and they'll be over there for 8, 10, 12 weeks uh, and they'll do a range of projects with the local teams as well. Um, we definitely need more volunteers in Western Australia. Um, Trevor and his team over there would love to uh, welcome lots more uh, volunteers next year in Western Australia. We've got the work there for it. We've got the, the, the equipment and, and the drive to do it. We just, you know, the fields are wide under harvest, but the labourers are few. And for those who've heard Terence on a 2020 program before, we usually do actually have something of a focus, which is that encouragement if you would like to become a volunteer and become a part of the teams for mobile mission maintenance, this is an hour uh, when you can make that connection. And uh, I'll be giving the mobile mission maintenance website as we go through, mmm.org.au, not only for volunteers to connect, uh, for new people who are saying, wow, this I've never even realised there was an opportunity that someone could use my gift in mission. But it's also an opportunity for those who are saying, wow, our church property is really run down or we've wanting to expand for years and uh, a few dollars in the war chest to get uh, an extension on or however that might work. It's also the opportunity this hour to be able to connect a project that you could see as a possibility. So these sorts of connection times, uh, over the years now, Terence, we've been doing this for years, uh, there's been a fair good response from listeners when we've had these opportunities. There is. And look, you know, one one thing I find is that there are a lot of people out there that, that will sit in a church and say, you know, I've been a tradesman or I've been a handyman or I've been, you know, a blue-collar worker or however you want to classify them all my life. I wish I could have been a teacher where I could go to a mission field or I wish I could have done this. Or I wish I, I wish I was a pastor where I could get up and teach or preach. Um, they have a heart to serve. And when you give them an opportunity to say, hey, you can make a difference. You can partner with the church by being there to help renovate them. You can partner with a missions organization to help set up their facilities and do that. They take to it like a duck to water and they say, how come we've never heard of this? How come I, I want to be involved? And, and you know, our teams, we have a lot of mobiles that are out there on the road for four, six, eight, 12 weeks at a time. Then they come home and they'll do some local projects and they'll go on the road again. And they love it. It's a, it's not it's not just a, a mission thing. It's a 
it's almost a lifestyle type thing of being out there and serving while you're on the road. And I imagine, you know, what goes through your mind immediately might be that, oh, you're a retiree, so you go and uh, serve in that sense because you've got time on your hands. But uh, do people sometimes use long service leave or holidays uh, to be able to actually do something which is, uh, you know, it's an expedition in mission uh, and an opportunity to use their gift where it's needed. They're not all retirees. <laughs> There's a, there is a range. And I, I'm look, I'm really proud to say uh, in January this year, we had a young couple in our Queensland uh, base join up. I don't know what you were doing when you were 20, 21, 22, Neil, but this is a young couple who found the heart of God and said, I'm a carpenter, I want to serve, and they came to us as a, as a team. They're full-time with us, uh, working with John and Anne in, in, in the Queensland base. Uh, and Josh and Trish, just they wanted to serve. How can we serve? They, they heard about MMM, they came in, they got their support, you know, and we support them in, in whatever ways we can other than finances, but... but for them, this is their avenue of service, and we find that all over Australia, that people, they don't have to be retirees. If they want to serve, there's always a way to find the resources and get partnerships with their churches and sign up and, and come and do what they what they can do to make a difference. Okay, I want to invite listeners to join in our conversation today. You might have a question, you might have a comment, you might have your own experience to draw on as to how your gifts and talents and skills can be used in the kingdom of God. You might have your connection with mobile mission maintenance. There's one thing I should point out. It's not just tradies and it's not just handymen. We have people in all parts of our organisation that, that need help. We uh, a lovely lady come to us in Melbourne a few weeks ago. Um, her name's Heather, and uh, she just wanted to help. And one of the things we have regularly do is is get communication and and literature out to our teams, and somebody just to do mail outs for us and admin help in an office. Uh, people that are on boards are a big help to us because that's our governance. There's there's areas to serve in every capacity. It do, you don't have to be a trader. You don't have to have uh, painting experience or nailing experience or, or whatever. If you've got a heart to serve, we can use you. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. We're talking about the infrastructure of local churches around Australia and, you know, how many local churches are there? Some estimates, somewhere between ten and 15,000 local churches, all uh, either with expansion in mind or some who are saying, how do we maintain this facility and some of the gifts we need are not necessarily there. And then COVID uh, complicates all sorts of things. Let's talk Terence Baxter. Terence is the CEO of Mobile Mission Maintenance in Australia. What are churches doing differently? I mean, two years of COVID, uh, you're on the cutting edge and you're seeing what people are planning, what sort of initiatives they've got to employ in their local communities. Uh, you've, you're from Melbourne, so you've seen some the way the churches have had to change. Give us some insights here into what churches are doing differently with the circumstances they're in today. Sure, Neil. Look, sitting where I sit is a very privileged position within the Christian community because I'm in touch with so many different churches and styles of churches and everything. The one common thing that churches faced uh, probably... Uh, about March last year and April last year was how do we continue to reach our community and what are the needs of the community now because two months earlier those needs were totally different 
And so churches have transformed. A lot of churches put their services online or streamed or pre-recorded services for their people uh, out there connecting with the community that way. Uh, setting up churches or, or rooms within facilities within churches to to do broadcast media when they were never equipped to do it. We're not experts at it, but we do know some people. We've been able to connect lots of people with lots of other people to, to say, look, here's somebody that can give you advice or here's a website. This is what you can do. If you need help, we can get somebody. That's one thing. But the other thing is responding to the urgent needs of communities. Can I share one story with you? Sure. Uh, we're in connection with a, a church in Blacktown in in Sydney, um, and we all know the story that uh, when Sydney just exploded with COVID, uh, Blacktown was at the centre of it, and and they had this immediate lockdown of of some apartment buildings overnight. And this church, happy to mention their name, Hope Chapel in in Sydney. Uh, I was in connection with them, and the next day from that overnight lockdown, late in the afternoon, the next day, this church opened their facilities, put together overnight in that night about 68 care packages uh, of all sorts of things, not just food and, and, and bits, but puzzles and books to read and everything else, uh, and took them to that facility and gave one to every apartment that night. That's transforming communities. That's making a difference. And Hope Chapel, they need a, they need a gold star for what they did, not just what they did, but the time in which they could respond to it. And I've seen that across the nation. How do we how do we continue? What are the needs of my community now, because it's so different? And what do we need to adjust to do that? Well, predictions might say that twenty twenty two is going to be a tough year economically, and so churches undoubtedly, where you've got leaderships who are meeting, whether it's called a presbytery or whether you've got a, you know, a council of elders or however that works in your local church, we'll be thinking what's coming for 2022, what sort of plans do we have to have, what should we be prepared for? And so if there are tougher times ahead, there may be spaces within churches that need to be transformed in some way that are going to facilitate the opportunity to do things like extra care packs or different challenges that come into individual communities. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, uh, MMM, uh, part of those sorts of changes that can happen? Yeah, we do get a, we do get to advise and, and assist where we can. Uh, some of them are very simple setups and, and very simple advice, you know. Uh, how do we set up for a COVID-safe sort of church service? You know, well, let's just talk about spacing and personal space and all that sort of stuff. Others are, you know, we don't know. Our, our videos are really noisy. How do we keep the down into a studio sort of sound and and you know we're not technical geniuses with with the engineering side of it but certainly how do you set up a room and, and how do you do that sort of stuff we've we've been involved in all of that but it's also just making sure that um, the rest of their facilities are maintained while that's going on as well um, some churches have taken the the foresight to say look you know while we don't have people here um, let's do what we couldn't do before, you know, in our auditorium. Let's fix this or do make these adjustments, and we're happy to be involved with that. That's a bit longer conversation than the immediate need, but you know, we've been able to work with a lot of churches around around the nation doing that. And when there's a need, and there's not the skills within that church to be able to do that, and some churches have got wonderful uh, tradespeople, and they've got uh, you know a board of deacons, and however they might uh, manage the practical aspects of church life, they can do that all without the help of mobile mission maintenance. But not every church is in that circumstance. That's true. Some churches 
don't have the skills. This is where you guys come in here. So painting, uh, renovation, uh, all sorts of things like that. Give us an idea. What are the most popular things people ask mobile mission maintenance for? Oh, I wish there was a. I wish there was a common theme. Um, it a lot of painting. We do a lot of painting and assisting painting. And I know one thing that I can share with your listeners is. You know, the, the magnificent studios that you're in are painted by Mobile Mission Maintenance. Uh, and we're, we're proud to be in, engaged and partnering with organisations in that. And, and if it's just a simple case of painting, well, we'll find a team and put it together and get them out there. Um, others are total reconfigurations of their churches or new church facilities because the, the old ones are either not, not purpose-suited anymore or they've had to move. Um, and so setting those up, uh, you know, building walls and toilets and all that sort of stuff, uh, that goes with it. To um, making sure that there's out- outside facilities for kids and that sort of thing so that they're not in rooms, uh, in facilities where they can be outside in safety and all that sort of stuff as well. Playgrounds and things like that sometimes need to have some safety inspections. Um, mm-hmm. Do you guys do that sort of thing? Yeah, we can keep our head across it. Um, we're not experts again, uh, but we can uh, certainly when we get the advice, we say, okay, this is how it's got to be set up. It's got to be child-proof fences and gates and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we can we can do that sort of thing, and we we've got a request at the moment for a church in in inner Melbourne for uh, they actually requested some other work to be done and came back to us and said, hey, listen, can we park that? We need a kids playground in secure in this area. Now, you guys, uh, with the lockdowns that have happened in COVID, have still been able to complete something in the vicinity of seventy projects in this past year. Mm. Um, that's a little few less than you ordinarily would, or how does that work? Uh, you know, how do you compare that to the previous years where there's been no COVID? Yeah, certainly. Look, the restrictions and border restrictions and lockdowns have, have definitely impacted us, um, particularly in Victoria and New South Wales, when we've had extended times and teams just literally sit on their hands for that t- that period of time. Ordinarily, in a normal non-COVID year, we'd get between ninety and a hundred projects completed across the nation which is not too bad. If you took four weeks off for holidays, that's two every week uh, around the nation that we'd do. This year, we, we completed 71 projects. Um, it's easy to say projects because some are really short and really easy ones and some are long and extended with lots of people. Uh, if I put it in terms of the human hours, um, ordinarily we'd do about uh, 26, 27,000 man hours on site. This year was around about 21. So we were down significantly, but it's still making a difference. We managed to coordinate to get a team into the Northern Territory uh, throughout this period, and that was, a, that was a feat of sort of juggling people from every state to be able to get there before the borders closed. Uh, <coughs> it, it did impact us, um, but they were there for 12 weeks, and they did... Uh, they did seven projects in that 12 weeks. Uh, they collectively did over 81,000 kilometres to do the work and they came from as far away as Albany in Western Australia and Townsville in the Northern Territory, New South Wales and Victoria. And that was uh, way up into Arnhem Land, uh, far north of Ooh. Northern Territory? No? The really sad thing, Neil, was we we couldn't make it into Arnhem Land right. because we were changing the team and we couldn't guarantee getting people in there. That was one of the restrictions yep. of COVID. Yep. Um, but also um, the communities in, in Arnhem Land are very apprehensive about people coming in uh, and bringing COVID in. And we respect that. We, we really do. We work very closely with the local churches up there. 
but it did highlight a problem that we're going back to address in the coming years, and that is um, accommodation for in our Indigenous brothers up in in r- r- rural and remote communities is it's a terrible blight in our nation. Terence Baxter. When we talk churches doing things differently, when we talk churches who are in need of help, do you ever have the issue where uh, someone says, oh, I want to be on the mobile mission maintenance team, but hang on a second, I'm such and such a denomination and uh, there's some needs are in other churches, different denominations. Uh, Do some people sometimes think, uh, you know, I want to serve in my denomination uh, or are most people who are serving happy to meet needs no matter what church denomination you're working with? I think that's the majority. Um, It doesn't raise its head too often where somebody says, oh, you know, I'm an Anglican or I'm a Baptist or whatever. Um, I'm not sure about those churches. I think we're mature enough as a a Christian community, uh, not just here but around the world, to recognise that God's got his finger on lots of different denominations and they're all doing wonderful things. But one of the things that, that we're pretty insistent on uh, is is we've we've got an orientation program for new volunteers uh, that come into the organisation. Uh, it's just been rewritten over the last 12 months to bring it up and freshen it all up that really says this is what we do, this is how we do it, and this is who we do it for, so that everyone that comes into the organisation knows what our values and our goals and our, our aspirations are as a mission. Well, it's clearly necessary too because you've had these 70 projects or 71, I think you said, that have been completed over this past year and that's just a little short of what usually happens around the 90 project level. But you'll be looking forward to 2022 and there's always going to be that need for new, fresh recruits, those volunteers who are putting their hand up and oftentimes no doubt responding to something of a call of God that says, I'm gifted in this area and I feel like I ought to be connected with mobile mission maintenance, to get that volunteer's orientation course means that people can hit the ground running when there's a need. Yeah, very much. Uh, look, it, it's, it really is important. We can see times when they when it hasn't been done, when, when orientation would dropped away, and occasionally you just get problems that come up in a team because somebody wants to do something one way and they the we have a, a golden rule is that the team leader of, of that project is he's the be all and end all. Once it's discussed, and you know they'll have open discussions about what it is or how it should be done. But when he says no, this is what we're doing. That's the way it should be. And just just occasionally you'll get somebody go, oh, I can't work like that. You know, you you're stifling my creativity. Well, I'm sorry, but that you know, and it's really sad because if we can find that before we get there and say this is how it works, people people generally respond really well. And so having the meeting before you're actually on the job is really important. I imagine what that uh, happens in the volunteer orientation is that you get to know what the culture and the ethos of, Very much. of mobile mission maintenance, the level of workmanship that you're working towards. So mm. You're wanting to put your best foot forward in the kingdom. So uh, this sort of thing, do you have to be face-to-face when you do that or are you doing that all uh, online? How does the orientation work? Ideally... Ideally, it's better face-to-face, all in the same room, building fellowship and building that, that sense of belonging. Because when we get out on site, we you're going to be working beside them anyway. So you want to know, <laughs> I could say it this way, you want to know what they smell like before they get out there. Uh, but it, it's really building, it, it gives a chance to really build that team. Um, Zoom's been a wonderful thing, and it's been a stopgap for a lot of organisations uh, to connect with people. 
but I can tell you from first-hand experience, uh, seeing people in 3D is a lot better and, and experiencing them and, and learning their body language and being able to talk with them one-on-one and, and collectively, you know, learn together how we're going to work. And while you think you're out on the job and you're working with those who uh, you've never met before, no doubt, uh, in some uh, some of those jobs, yeah. um, you might think, am I going to get on with them? Uh, and no doubt someone is going to have uh, some sort of a story of a not-so-good experience. But I imagine what happens is you've got some lifelong friendships that are being forged while you're working shoulder-to-shoulder on a job. Very much. In fact, you know, Floating around our office are photos of orientation teams from years ago, and you sit and and they'll talk about, oh, I, I met him, and and they, you know, we that we first met on orientation twenty five years ago, you know, um, a really classic example of what you just said before about meeting and not knowing anyone on a team. Our safari team came together, as I said, people from as far away as Albany and 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 Townsville never met. Most of them were never met. There were th- two or three couples from Victoria that, uh, that that had been working together. They knew each other, but everyone else was a stranger. And yet by the end of it, they were all best friends. And, and you know, the, the, the bond and the fellowship and the love between that team was amazing, absolutely amazing by the time that 12 weeks later they'd got to the end of seven projects. I can imagine some people thinking, wow, I'd like to be involved in mobile mission maintenance, uh, but I'm not sure I want to be sent on an expedition, say, into the into the Northern Territory, into the middle of Australia, and uh, some sort of desert experience. I mean, that's where they're going to send me, isn't it? Uh, how, do you, how do you work out who goes where? Well, that's a, I'm glad I don't have to do it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, our region managers have their teams underneath them and team leaders, and it, it's largely a volunteer-type thing of saying what's available I'd like to go on that project. Occasionally, um, a problem that we don't get too often, but it comes up occasionally, our team's full. We can't have any more because yeah, with too many people on a project, you end up with people standing around doing nothing and then they're bored for, you know, for 5, 10, 12 days. Uh, getting the right size team to do the project, that's a skill that our wonderful region managers around Australia are really good at. Um, there's a reason I don't do it. <laughs> they, they put me in places where I do the least amount of damage, Neil. <laughs> well, you're behind the desk and uh, calling the shots, and you're clearly doing a good job, Terence. Hey, let me ask you something. It's in some sense, some will say, "Oh, it's, isn't it uncomfortable talking about vaccinations?" Mm. Uh, you've worked through all of this because you've got these volunteer teams working in all sorts of communities and uh, having completed 70 projects over this past year. Uh, how does all that work now as you've been working through, uh, you know, who can be on the team? Do you have to be vaxxed or can you be unvaxxed? Uh, how have you worked through all of that challenge? Look, it was a it was a real challenge. And, you know, I, I remember a board meeting earlier this year where, I, I, you know, part of the conversation was what's our policy on vaccinations? And, you know, there's a lot of... St- there's a lot of blank staring and soul searching around the table for a few seconds. And <clears throat> I said, we really need something that says, that encapsulates what the heart of this is. And, you know, I love my board. They're, they're a great group of people that have come together with a real heart in governance. And they put together a, a policy on our vaccinations, not just for COVID, but all, all sorts of areas that is inclusive, not exclusive, and yet recognising that every person has the right to choose, every person has that freedom of choice, and we need to respect that. But every choice brings with it consequences, and we have to live with the consequences of those choices. So the policy is is formulated around that, 
And we recognise that there will be times in, in certain government uh, regulations where, uh, particularly in, say, Victoria and New South Wales, if you want to work on a building site and we're classified in the building industry, you have to be vaccinated. Uh, and in other areas, there's not. So our policies are around what the state government requirements are in each jurisdiction, and it's written around that. And it's also about what the community wants. Um, and we learnt this from the Man and Greeter experience, if I can use that as an example. Um, with that team uh, that was supposed to go in there during the safari in August, um, there was no government policy that we couldn't go in there. We, we would follow the normal permit process. But we found out that the, that the locals out at Man and Greeter were very apprehensive about, about other people coming into the community. And so we respected that and said, look, you know, this is perhaps God working in this um, and we'll work it out. And so we didn't go in, and there will be times in in going into the future where certain communities or people groups or small small uh, communities will say, "Listen, we have some quite vulnerable people here. We need people that come in here to be vaccinated, and we'll work that out with our teams, and and people will have to declare and say, "Okay, well, yes, I am." The truth is that you know ninety five percent of Australians really. Uh, don't have a major problem with vaccination. They've, they've, we've seen that in the numbers across Australia broadly. The church largely reflects that and volunteers are largely reflecting that. We haven't had any adverse response uh, to our vaccination policy um, because it allows people to make that choice. But we inform them also that having made that choice, we need to have the conversation going forward if there's an issue that comes up around it. And these sorts of policies don't develop in five minutes. No. Undoubtedly, you've gone through that sort of soul-searching, uh, scripture-searching, in order to find how you make a practical application of Christian values mm. into the challenges around uh, vaccination. Uh, that's been a, a, you know, it's been a journey for your board, no doubt. It has. Um, and look, we we can draw on some fantastic resources and I'm, I'm proud to really proud to say this um, Neil you may know I come from a Pentecostal church myself but personally we, we received a communication from the Wesleyan Methodist churches in Australia about their policy for their pastors and I sat and I read it and it was it was the most thought-provoking and caring and loving response to a vexatious statement about vaccinations um, that when we looked at it, we included some of the scriptural references in our policy to say that we have a need as a Christian to care for our communities and care for the individuals whilst respecting the rights of individuals. And it was a fantastic thing to include. So uh, like all good boards, they formed a subcommittee to put this all together. And that's the way boards work. Uh, and, and that subcommittee came up with something that to be honest, I'm really proud of. I'm really proud of our organisation, the way it's responded. Um, it's available for everyone. It's not hidden. It's on our website. People can go and have a look at our vaccination policy. Happy to talk about it with people. <clears throat> We're happy to have unvaccinated people working with us. If there's a, you know, that's the choice that they make. They just have to realise that there may be times and circumstances where we're going to have to exclude those in the short term. <laughs> 
and of course, as government policy changes, uh, you have to be ready to respond. Mm. And when you're a national organisation like Mobile Mission Maintenance, uh, you've got to be across the government policies. Uh, of Seven all the jurisdictions. Seven Neil jurisdictions. It's a nightmare. <laughs> it just keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Hey, let's come back to the mission of what you do with Mobile mm. Mission Maintenance. And just to reiterate for listeners, uh, if you're a gifted a uh, handy person or tradie, uh, you might be thinking, wow, this is an area of mission I can really put my best foot forward in. And while I might not be skilled in some other areas that you think about as typical in mission life, uh, your opportunity to really shine on the stage of keeping the infrastructure of church functioning. When we talk about that person, that person with their gift actually responding to sometimes that call upon their hearts, mm. when people say, oh, Terence, I thought I'd better get in touch with you, are they responding to something that, you know, there's been a prompting from God? How Mostly. do you describe the sort of calling on people's lives when they come and serve? There's there's one very short saying that, that rings true in my heart, and it was, ground into me by a pastor from many, many years ago, and that is simply this. God doesn't want your ability. He wants your availability. And that's the most important thing for us uh, as an organization is having having willing volunteers that are available to go and serve and to do. And, you know, I, my son's an electrician. Uh, he's an electrician. But the amount of work I see him doing around his house is not electrical. It's it's mechanical. It's It's carpentry it's it's welding it's doing all sorts of stuff that he does um we can all do lots of various different things if we really put our heart to it um and for us as an organization the the main thing isn't people's abilities it's their availability their availability to serve and their willingness to say look i'm prepared to do it i'm prepared to get in and do whatever i i have a lovely story from a few years ago I met up with a couple in uh, up in the Northern Territory, and they'd been with us about two years, and uh, they they'd been school teachers, and they had been school teachers in the Northern Territory. They were living in an Eastern State, hooked up with us, and wound up back up there, uh, serving on an MMM team. And the wife came to me one day, and she she looked at me and she said, "You know, we were school teachers, both of us. Neither of us had picked up a paintbrush in our in our life, and then we joined MMM." And for the last two years, I haven't had a paintbrush out of my hand. It, was, it wasn't their ability that we needed. It was their availability. And some skills can be taught. Mm. And uh, to become expert, no doubt, with a paintbrush uh, might take uh, the time of some level of apprenticeship. But, but to become skilled, uh, yeah. really just getting on the job with someone who knows what they're doing. Absolutely. And you can pick up those skills. And that, that's the essence of our team leader. He's the guy that ties it all together and says, well, Neil, you may not be good on a paintbrush, but you know we can get you to do the skirts, or we can get you to do this, or whatever. You concentrate on that. I'll help you. Someone else will do this, and and the team just works. Uh, let me just ask you about uh, about the the funding aspects because this is an important element here. Because uh, you know when MMM turns up to do a job. Uh, it's a partnering with the local church, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's not that you're turning up and you've got all of the materials and you, you know, really you're supplying the skills to be able to do the job. There's still some need for obviously uh, getting some planning and those sorts of things in place. That has to happen at a local level. But when the MMM team turns up, uh, you're there to make sure things happen the way they should. Absolutely. We're a volunteer organisation. So we uh, look at. <laughs> As a CEO, I look at the figures all the time, and, and one of the one of the truths when I talk about this with churches and and people like yourself is that 
we we have what I call an amplif- amplification factor. And the amplification factor on our finances is for every dollar that's given, we can turn that into $100 worth of work. Because I know what our budget is, and I know that it's about 100 times more the value that we put back into the Australian Christian community. We we assess it. We put a value on every labour hour that goes out there just to be able to measure um, and, and have something to talk about, I suppose, when we're, when we're talking about the value of our work. And on a on a normal year, the value that we put back into the Christian community is about three point seven, three point eight million dollars worth of volunteer work. It is amazing and uh, really wonderful to hear of an amplification factor because in church life we're somehow rather used to the fact that God actually super uh, powers our uh, our capacity to give, and you notice this too on a mm. on a monthly basis when you're looking at the the budget and uh, you're thinking, where's the next dollars coming from for this next job that's coming up? Uh, so when it comes to funding, though, I mean, uh, are there people who've uh, been in a long term sense? They've just been wonderful partners with Mobile Mission Maintenance. Uh, no doubt you're on the lookout for a new friend or two who might be able to come to the party with some extra dollars. Are there particular initiatives that you've got potentially happening, which uh, you know you'd like some help with? We're, we're seeing um, partnerships with corporate uh, developing, um, and sometimes they start quite small. Um, everything that we don't have to pay for out of our bank account is reflective of dollars that would have come in. Um, we have a partnership with an organisation, uh, they're, they're financial planners in Melbourne. They have a real heart for mission and, and really beautiful Christian people. Um, and they came to us and said, look, you know, we'd, we'd like to give, but we want to give in a tangible way. What do you need? Now, as I can tell you as a CEO, that question doesn't come out like that very often. What do you need? It's usually, what do you want, you know? what? And I'm saying... But they, they said, what do you need? And this was a few years ago, and I said, look, really, we, we've got some ageing computer infrastructure in our in our office that needs to be updated. We've got people working on antiquated computers. We'll buy those. And they went out and bought five laptops for us. And then the next year they came back and said, how many more do you need? We needed another two, and then we needed another one. Um, we've just finished our, our financial year. In, at, we, we have a really strange financial year. It's September 1 to August 31. And uh, we just finished it, and we do an annual report each year. And this year, we had an organisation come to us and say, we want to pay for the printing of your font. These are things, these are God people that are sent along. They've got it on their heart, and they respond. We need more of those. Well, I've seen your <coughs> annual report. It's one of the best ones I've I've ever seen. Uh, just, uh, just absolutely very, uh, it's amazingly put together, and uh, loads of photographs, it just, demonstrates the good work that you do around Australia. Uh, mobile mission maintenance we're talking about. Uh, to, to connect with volunteers, someone who says, I might just be in touch with that, uh, that Terence Baxter and uh, put my name down and do this voluntary uh, course to find out if, you know, mm. if I'm going to fit in with the organisation. Then there's those jobs that are, uh, you know, in people's minds as as we're even reflecting on those now. And they might be thinking, maybe I could just approach uh, mobile mission maintenance. We need the sort of skills that we're talking about today. You'd like to hear from both sides, wouldn't we you? We do. We, we always want to hear of who we can help. Um, that's what we're there for. Uh, we Our organisation started before it was an organisation in 1974 uh, in Alice Springs, of all places, a pastor that couldn't 
finish his church building, was was in danger of losing the land that had been granted to him by the government because he couldn't build a building. And uh, some Christian tradies came across him in a, you know, people call it a chance encounter. It's more a God encounter. And they said, well, we can do something about that. And off they went and they did it. Um, that was just people that were willing to go and to serve. And from that, the beginnings of MMM started and, and we've grown into an international organisation with... Uh, with sites, permanent permanent other sister organisations under our umbrella in New Zealand and Hong Kong and uh, Thailand and Fiji. If, if you want to serve God, Fiji's the place, but uh, Thailand, Fiji, Zambia, South Africa, and and the capacity to go and serve, it, it sounds a broad field and it sounds exotic to go out to these places. I've served in Vanuatu. It's not that exotic when you're sweating in the hot sun trying to build a building. But it, yeah. it it certainly doesn't matter how hot it is and how sweaty it is. You, you, we're still serving, and, and there's something inside that that says I'm transforming a community here just by building this one little thing. Can I make one point? It's not about how far you go. It's about your availability to serve. And for people that might want to be in Sydney that say I'm happy to serve in Sydney, or I'm happy, you know, I can as long as I can be at home, I can go to this job and I can do this. And if you want to serve just in a local area. Talk to our region managers, uh, put in an expression of interest through the website and, and we'll find the work that suits you. Well, for some, they'll be thinking, uh, talking about harsh conditions. Uh, there are those who thrive in those conditions and uh, people who've been tradespeople uh, for a long time uh, know what it's like to be working out in the hot sun. They put and, me to shame. And uh, put me to shame too, I might say. So uh, look to connect today. Uh, those who would like to be a part of the volunteer team that works with mobile mission maintenance, and we're talking about the infrastructure of a nation. We're talking about the ways that you can help to supercharge the opportunity for those Christians who are working out of those churches and those Christian organisations who are aware of their own global mission impact. And uh, there are all sorts of people who can be involved. So maybe on the volunteer side, or if you have a job that you think you'd like to connect Mobile Mission Maintenance to, here's the website where you can do that. Mobile Mission Maintenance website is mmm.org.au. It's very easy to remember. Mobile Mission Maintenance, mmm .org.au. Terence Baxter is the CEO of Mobile Mission Maintenance in Australia. Terence, always enjoy our get-together, our updates, and uh, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. It's a pleasure to be here, Neil. Thanks for, thanks for your involvement and support. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.